vendors and non-vendors alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. And Varney, how about that breakdown of Bato of the Water Tribe with McGizzy Pensano? I think you mean my new favorite person other than you, of course, but it was so fun. I feel like he brought such great perspectives to that discussion. I loved what he said about the whole rite of passage part of the episode. I know, right? That was so good. It was really great. It's almost hard to imagine what we could have done this week to follow such a great episode. I know. Just to meet the level of greatness of having McGizzy, we would have to talk to someone <laughs> so amazing this week i mean someone like um i don't know jennifer hell maybe what? okay what a totally random yet perfect idea jen is one of our favorite voice actors of all time also for me just kind of who i want to be when i grow up even though she's like a year older than me <laughs> It's just the compliment of when someone has the life that you admire and just feel like someone is a complete person. I totally agree. So let's not keep people waiting too much longer, but let's quickly listen to a couple of the characters that Jen plays in Avatar. I killed Chin the Conqueror. A horrible tyrant. Chin was expanding his army to all corners of the continent. When they came to the neck of the peninsula where we lived, He demanded our immediate surrender. I warned him that I would not sit passively while he took our home. But he did not back down. Hey, I remember her. She helped you attack us. Yep, back in the good old days. Oh great, it's Prince Pouty. Where's your creepy grandpa? He's my uncle, and he's not here. I see you worked things out with your girlfriend. I'm not not my girlfriend. girlfriend. Okay, okay, sheesh. I was only teasing. And ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, everyone please welcome Jennifer Hill! Hey, you guys. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how to follow those lovely words. I'm just going to hide. It's so merited. Thank you. Thank you. I'm overjoyed to be here. I love this universe. I love you guys. And the fandom is, of course, phenomenal. And you're saying that as a person who is familiar with many, many fandoms because you have done everything. Folks, just take your mind back to when we had Kevin Michael Richardson on and Mm -hmm. I said, imagine three of your favorite animated projects. You got them in your head. Okay, Kevin was in all of those. Now I want you to imagine six of your favorite animated (laughs) projects. They can be the same or different than Kevin Michael Richardson. And Jen was in all of those as well, including some of your favorite video games. You are so busy. I cannot believe you had time to do this. You made time. Thank you. Thank you. So good to see you. I knew the second your screen blinked on, I'm going to love some piece of jewelry she's wearing. Of course, you have guitars in the background. You're my hero. Thank you. Sweet. Thank you so much. This is actually the stone that symbolizes where I was born. It's Labradorite. And I was born in Labrador. And that's in Newfoundland? Technically, we fall under their government, but we're the giant piece of landmass that that little island is across from. Ah. Yes, there's lots of arguing between the two because, yeah, we won't go there. But yes, (laughs) a Labradorian will say, I'm a Labradorian. (laughs) With Jen, we can get into conversations about anything. And yes, she has a mysticalism about her, great jewelry and music. She's almost like Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mm. Mac. She has that vibe. I'll take it. Yeah. But I'll tell you, Jen Hale is one of the first people to really educate me on how to take care of my instrument, that being my voice, Mm. has amazing Mm. knowledge and really puts that first in a way that it was so good to hear someone I admire say, 
don't go to that bar at the end of the day. If you're coming to the con tomorrow, you're going to lose your voice. It's okay for you to take care of you because you're here for work. Jen takes care of herself and her body and her mind and her heart. And sometimes singer-songwriters slash rock stars aren't known for doing quite that much personal work on themselves. True. You know, it's funny. I came by a lot of this because of rock and roll, actually. I started singing in clubs when I was 15. But I was also the one in the band who was the most on time, following the rules, making sure everything was in order. You know, I I was that kid. And there was a gig that different bands would get booked on that was a six-night gig, and it was six hours a night, and it started at 10 p.m. And every singer in town that I knew of lost their voice during that week, and I had no interest in losing my voice. I was about to start working in VO, so I ran to a classical singing teacher. He put me through my paces and gave me a bunch of exercises, and I didn't lose my voice. So it was all those singers who went before me who lost their voice who inspired me. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a real lesson in what I don't want to lose do. this. I like it. <laughs> Whatever you are passionate about, you want to be at the top of your game. And so that's a very yeah. beautiful combination is being a true artist, yeah. but also being a grown up. Again, say that with all mm. love for those of us who I take you that know, as a huge compliment. <laughs> but you're also a rock climber. And that to me is a great mm. metaphor for it's the same thing as not losing your voice, right? I need yeah. the juice to get to the top. So I can't blow it in a sprint down here at the bottom of the mountain. I have to pace myself. <laughs> the first time I ever went rock climbing, Jen, was with you. Yes, I remember After that. a Comic-Con. Yes. And Jen's like, hey, we're going rock climbing. You want to come? I was like, um, okay, okay. <laughs> and it was so cool. You did great. It was so great. It's addictive. I mean, you're a rock star, rock climber, adventurer <laughs> of the world. Thank you. You're amazing. I- I'm just going to wake up and listen to this. This is so (laughs) lovely. Thank you. I do think very long term. I think in like 70 year cycles, I think in five and 10 year cycles, I I look at my life and I know this sounds insane, but I would like to live to a minimum of 120 with a health span, not just a lifespan, but a health span. I don't know if I'll get there, but if I put that in my consciousness. I think you will. The pact I made with my kid was 145. We made a pact. And I was like, well, let's see what happens. Yeah. I'll give it my best. I haven't seen Jen in over a year. And so I miss these conversations. (laughs) And especially going through all collectively going through this pandemic. And Mm -hmm. I miss that energy. I miss that voice. I miss that positivity and that perspective. I love it. Thank you. Well, you know, the pandemic is such an interesting thing. We all know the curses of COVID. We all know the mortality and the loss and the disruption and what it's brought to the surface about how different populations think and approach things. Let's make our top value instead of, am I number one and is everyone looking at me? Let's make our top value. Is everybody okay? Right. Yeah. All right, let's go play. And what's crazy is during that pause time, this show rose out of that pause. And it's kind of the perfect show to do because of talking about balance and being out of balance and trying to get back in balance. What is balance? Mm. Like is balance, your balance between your work time and your home time. Is balance the balance between the importance you put on money versus the importance you put on humanity? Is balance the attention you put to your earthly, 3D, stuff-driven, achievement-driven self and your 
wider, peaceful, calmer, really everything's okay in the big picture self. There's so many versions of balance. Now she sounds like Avatar Kyoshi. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm realizing I'm sitting down with two avatars right now. Then you could argue you're sitting down with just one because they're all reincarnates of each other. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Because we are all one. Exactly. <laughs> Dante, I love that you brought that up because it is true that very rarely, I would say never so far, do we have somebody who comes on who was a part of the Avatarverse who kind of doesn't belong there or who doesn't have a quality that feels right. just right for the character. And big shout out to Nickelodeon casting and mm. to Andrea Romano for getting mm. performances out of people that were so right for the part. And obviously Mike and Brian, who are a huge part of the casting process as well. But again, you could not be a bigger gift to the Avatar fandom in being Avatar Kiyoshi because who would you want? Let's make the Mary Poppins list of the qualities <laughs> you want in the actor who portrays Avatar Kiyoshi, but also to play a character like June, who is kind of our mm -hmm. most recent exposure to your talent, who is potentially product of her environment that caused her to use her skill, her talent, and her fierceness in the way that she does, but inarguably still a total badass. It is a big <laughs> thumbs up that people get to hear this and go, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't change a thing. Wouldn't ask anything <laughs> else of the person who plays Avatar Kiyoshi. It's an embarrassment of riches. It really is true. Thank you. Good Lord, what fun characters, man. Yeah, I love playing the kick butt characters. I think, you know, when I first moved out to LA and started auditioning for stuff, I kept bugging my agents to send me out to read for the guys parts. <laughs> <You> totally get <laughs> it. I, so I was totally like, get I can it. do that too. We need to break that barrier down. Whereas I got my boots on. Let's go. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> to circle back to being from Labrador, is it fair to say, I feel like it's a special and strange and interesting place. Oh my God. Can't even tell you. I was back there just before COVID really blossomed, shall we say. It was um, February of 2020. My dad lived in a cabin next to this lake with his longtime partner, Roberta. Different people were coming to visit, and I think my car was blocking somebody's car. And I just ran out in the freezing cold to move my car. And a little bit of backstory, my ancestors were on that land for 4,000 years, right? It's the women were the native women and the men had come over from the Isle of Wight in England. They were fishermen and they married the native women, but there was not a large gene pool. So there's still a lot of the native, you know, sure. a lot of us original peoples in the gene pool. Yeah. I ran out the door. I was just like freezing. I, I didn't put on a proper coat or anything. And it was cold. February in Labrador is the thing. Yeah. And I ran out and all of a sudden I was hit by the sensation of the land reaching into me. Wow. 4,000 years of ancestors stopped me dead in my tracks and I just stopped oh and I just stared at the trees and the sky and it was just... Now I'm choked up. Mm. It was extraordinary. I don't know what it was, but I felt it. I felt 4,000 years of energy just go... Oh my gosh. Connect Jen. to me and I, I was just speechless. That was a huge blessing I just got off this land. This is extraordinary. Again, you've opened yourself up to yeah. be present, like you were just talking about, that understanding mm -hmm. that being in the moment leaves you available for those split-second things that you're not planning, you don't see coming. It's not yeah. even about someone else, a human, necessarily saying something to you. Yeah. It could be your experience yeah. or something akin to that, seeing the tiny life somewhere in a place of stillness and being a seeker. Mm -hmm. When you're with Jeff, our conversations can go all over places. It's definitely going to go to the <laughs> earth. It's definitely going to get yeah. spiritual in its own way. 
She is Avatar Kiyoshi, for sure. <laughs> because you were moving around so much and were an artist yourself, where were you yeah. finding that opportunity to feel seen, even if the musicians couldn't look right at you, but their music yeah. spoke to you and saw you? What were you getting mm. that food from, reading that kind of stuff as you are migrating around so much? Being seen was not an experience I ever had. It wasn't a thing that happened in my world. And it also wasn't often a safe thing. But I did get my fulfillment. My mom made me take an acting class one time, and I was so uncomfortable the whole time, but I did it anyway. And I used to go to Girl Scout camp in the summers, and I borrowed one of the counselor's guitars, and I wrote a song. I'd never played guitar, but I wrote a song for the... You always have the closing circle where each unit comes and they each sing their song. And I wrote a song, and we sang it at the closing circle. I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. That was a joyous thing. That feeling of... When you've made something or you took something from inside and you see the experience of it outside, even of yourself, it's a recording. So you hear it back or you teach it to other people and then they're doing it. I want everyone to have that experience. Again, no matter what your calling is, no matter what you do, everyone should Mm -hmm. have some version of I made this thing and now it lives outside of me in some way. And Dante, obviously, you know very much about that because you've done so much producing and now directing and writing and in addition to acting. I think when you're a younger artist, there's, for lack of a better word, a selfishness or a very eye on yourself trying to make it in the world, trying to be known, trying to have your voice out there and trying to be seen. And and that's a great energy for the beginning of your career. And you need that almost ferocity to make it happen, ignite it. But then as you get further along in your career, you become more Uncle Iroh. You realize it's beyond you. You do projects that are beyond you. You do characters, even though you may have originated, it it lives beyond you. The films, the television shows, it's not just you. It's this bigger thing, and you're so grateful to be a part of that. And how often do we talk to people who say, whether it's your accounting firm, whether it's the library where you work, no matter where it is, what I do for a living, I don't feel defines who I am at my core. But I'll tell you what, I love the people I work with and I can't imagine them not being in my life every day. Like that's what we all realize. Oh, something that has longevity has a whole lot to do with everybody else Mm -hmm. as much as you and what you're bringing to the table. And that's what's so wonderful about collaboration in all its forms. It feels just as good to like lift someone else up and be in that place together. This is what I love when I hang around Jen Hell. <laughs> like there's a kumbaya vibe that goes on and the next thing you know we're climbing rocks and we're thinking about life and afterlives. That's and- the thing is your energy is so positive. When did you feel safe to kind of lean in as you were discovering it to this idea of trying on different voices or trying on different characters and making your way through that experience? I had little pops of it. I mean, I did a play my ninth grade year in the summer. I did um, Marigolds, The Effect of Gamma Rays on Man of the Moon Marigolds. Oh, yeah. I love that play. And in that, I had to have an epileptic seizure on stage every performance. And I just dove in and I had this ability, kind of have a natural ability for characters to take over the vessel. I memorized Clytemnestra's monologue from Agamemnon. She'd had a big loss and she was seriously pissed off at her husband. And she's like, this is it. And something just clicked. And I completely lost the ability to care what anyone thought. And it just took over. And I was like, whoa, what's happening? Would you call that flow? I'd call that channeling the muse. I mean, to me, the best creativity happens and the best creation happens when I cease to exist. Mm, When I simply am a vessel for whatever's happening. Like when I write songs, one of my favorite songs I released it was just a picking exercise. 
and it turned into one of my favorite songs I've ever written. It's called Never. Find it on all the platforms. Yeah, that flow state is, honest to God, it's what I live for in life. There's a, um, I believe it's a Buddhist notion, which is to be nothing. Used to be deeply offended by that because my 17, 18 year old ego was like, excuse me, I just want to be something and I want to matter. Yes, you know? of course. And now that I've had the opportunity to be alive longer and grow, I find it the most relieving notion in the world because the other half of it is be nothing. And in being nothing, you can actually be everything. So the more I cease to exist, the more that shows up through me. The dissolution of ego oh, is... It's a lifelong quest. <laughs> it's the hardest thing to get to for some people. For most for, of us. Especially yeah. in Western cultures. Oh. And you're so right. It is something that's really hard to wrap your head around in yeah. the environment in which we are sort of in now. Because everything is about who am I? How am I valuable? How do I, I make a living yeah. off that value? We need to get yeah. back in balance. <laughs> We've had a big shove toward our chair this last year or so with the pandemic. I've got this tool that I'm using right now. Probably everybody's heard the phrase, the monkey mind. It's the chatter, 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 chatter that you don't even <laughs> realize is mm-hmm. running in your head. You know, the radio station, me, 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 me. Burning emotional calories, oh, sort of. Oh, God. You know? yeah. Chewing up your bandwidth. And I've got yeah. this new tool that I've been using, which is, you know how when you want to get rid of an app, you double click and you swipe it off the screen? Yeah. So my new thing is swipe. I love it. Middle of a thought. I just go swipe. I love it. I don't go, okay, I need to finish this and put it away. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Swipe. Swipe. Close the app. A million times a day, I close the app. (laughs) Close it. Close the app. (laughs) The easiest way to quiet that that inner dialogue, just swipe. Yeah. Do you feel like coming from the journey that took you to Los Angeles, do you feel like you were more prepared for this L.A. situation, which is a sense of this could turn me into the best or worst version of myself? Interesting. How did you feel about that looking back? I think, you know, L.A. is a very unique beast and L.A. is like money. L.A. is like winning the lottery. It'll just kind of highlight more of who you are. Yeah. It'll shove your issues in your face and they'll either take you down or you'll unpack them. It's true. It's true. I think that's why so many people who succeeded in early age go off the rails because their compass wasn't set strongly inside them. I look at somebody like Mae Whitman. Mae is is a lovely human being. And I know her mom better than I know Mae because I worked with Mae a lot when she was a kid. I remember talking to her mom and going, you know, she's so, she's so set and calm and quiet and settled within herself. And she has this flaming talent that doesn't derail her. And all this attention doesn't derail her. How did you do it? And Pat Music, her mom, she said, you know, I talked to Ron Howard's mom. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Uh And um, (laughs) the advice that she got when Ron started to work a lot as a kid, nothing changed. He had the same home. He had the same friends. He had the same responsibilities, the same expectations. They had the same life. So their life wasn't defined by his success. He got to be who he was. And I think that's so important. I think when you get people who go kind of cuckoo puffs when they come into all this attention, number one, they think it means something and it doesn't. Like when somebody gives me acknowledgement, compliments, et cetera, for projects I've worked in or things that I've done, I absolutely receive those with great gratitude. I also really know that, look, what we do as performers We're the ink in the tip of the pen. And there is a massive, intricate, mechanical, extraordinary pen that has been built so that we, the ink, can show up and put something on paper. Now, without good ink, it's not your machine's not going to work that great. But it's not about us. And 
This goes back to one of my favorite books, which is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. I knew you were coming to it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> and one of the four agreements is, number one, be impeccable with your word. Yeah. Impeccability yes. is don't sin. Don't sin with your words. Don't sin against yourself. Don't sin against other people. There's a lot of junk still going on in, in the cultures about, oh, no, I didn't do that. You know, disowning ourselves, shoving our needs aside, saying we should want things that we don't want. And But the other one is don't take anything personally. Exactly. Don't take anything personally. Because personal. it's not. Even love, this is going to sound really upsetting for some people, but love just needs to exist. Mm-hmm. And you may or may not get to be the one to stand there to receive it. It's going mm-hmm. to exist. So is anger. Right. So is frustration. I tell my kid, I'm like, look... When somebody says rude things to you, is that about you or is that about them? He's like, oh, yeah, it's about them. You know, with social media, it's there. It's all around <laughs> us right now. And, I, and I've talked to kids and I talk about bullying and all this stuff. And I'm like, yo, you know, when someone says something bad about yeah. you online, you know why it hurts so much? Because you're putting too much stock in the likes. Yeah. The likes aren't real either. No, they're and not. And neither is the yeah. quote unquote hate that's coming at you. Yeah. And then I actually ended up writing a poem because, oh. you know, we're, we're all in the Comic-Con world and we have all these fans and hundreds of thousands of followers and great. But at the same time, I wrote this poem to the fans that just to remind them that only reason why you really like me is because I'm a reflection of you. Mm. You like your heroes because they reflect the things you like or want to liken you. As much as you think you're following me, I'm actually following you. Oh my God, Dante. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So here we go. Oh my gosh. Okay, turning to Avatar, one of the things that we all love about this universe is the hybrid animals. Obviously, June has a Shearshu, who Mm -hmm. we found out last week is a combination of three different animals, which is rare. But even if you don't specifically remember animals from Avatar, are there a couple of animals that you would love to see in this imaginary world have these sort of qualities that are meshed together so that you have Mm. a husky crane or a iguana duck? I would go for a husky mustang. Two of my favorite animals. That's awesome. There's going to be a lot of long distance traveling if you want it to be there with those guys (laughs) side by side inside one animal. That's fabulous. Actually, a hawk horse. Too. Hawk horse would be good also. Oh, mm-hmm. so amazing. Mm-hmm. Maybe Mike and Brian are listening for future episodes right? of, of things in Avatar versus new animal ideas. Right? That's right. Or a dragonfly cross with something. They're incredible. My son was sharing with me that they have some insane level of accuracy in their hunting. Like 95% success. Oh, wow. Insane. I guess I grew up in a place where there are just few enough dragonflies that it always felt like a little gift. Like it was paying you a visit when you see a dragonfly. Maybe I'd feel differently if I grew up somewhere where they're everywhere all the time. But Swarmed by (laughs) Fireflies, too. I miss fireflies. Yeah, the first time I saw a firefly, I was in my late 20s, I think. Where were you? Do you remember? I was in Georgia. I was in Atlanta. I was the same thing. I was like shooting something in Kansas and I was like, oh my goodness. It seemed impossible. Kids looked at me like, it's just a firefly, old man. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's magical. (laughs) They knew they existed and yet they still seemed impossible. Yes, exactly. It's butt lights up. Butt lights up. It is magical (laughs) and it's about love and attraction. I was running in Piedmont Park at dusk, got off work and was running and saw the glittering lights down in a ravine and just went down (laughs) into the ravine and was just standing there and was surrounded by them. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I looked down and my legs were just covered in mosquitoes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There is that half of it. That's not good. 
Then then I ran home, checked my legs, and I was like, what? None of them bit me? And then the next morning, I was Mm -hmm. covered in mosquito welts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I remember I was in Thailand. We stayed with people who lived there, and there was this gecko. All night, you hear this little... And every time I heard that, I was like, yes, got another one. Yes, got another one. <laughs> Eat them all, please. I'm yes. not a mosquito He's fan. having a feast tonight, baby. Yeah. I love it. It sounds like you have a sense of when people ship characters, yes. when they love to put two characters together mm-hmm. romantically for the most part, but mm-hmm. sometimes just as about companionship yep. or just the idea of them having a relationship if they cross over from different universes, right? Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. have anybody that you go, oh, I love the idea of these two characters together for one reason or another? You know, for me, it's going to be really obvious and really like, oh, Junla. Me and That's it. That's it right there. And Kiyoshi's just Kiyoshi. Kiyoshi needs yeah. nobody else. 100%. June is such a strong character and so memorable, and you're so wonderful as June. Thank you. And it's so crazy because the idea of the bounty hunter, that's Boba Fett in yeah. Star Wars, <laughs> arguably one of the most popular characters in the whole Star Wars universe. Yeah. yeah. And even as kids, we didn't even know his name. We just knew he was a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. And something about that is in its own outlaw way. It's June. We just watched the episode. She's just crushing through there like a one-man biker gang. Her and her shirt. Yeah. <laughs> He's paralyzed. Only temporarily. The toxins will wear off in about an hour. But by then, he'll be in jail and I'll have my money. But how did you find him on my ship? My sheer shoe can smell a rat a continent away. But it's not a one-man biker game. To Jen's point, it's a two-character biker game because she can't do anything without that shear shoe. The shear shoe is the one that has the tracking sense. That is very true. It's two beings. She just has to be nice to that shear shoe because I think the shear shoe sometimes responds to force. And I think June needs to heal her relationship with her shear shoe so that it's about love and respect Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. temper. Or I have spent quite a bit of time around horses. And what I know is its levels. You start with a treat. Yeah, yeah. Then you change your body language. Uh-huh. Then you get the stern out. <laughs> and then you get the whip butt out. I'm like, nope, all done. Yeah. And then is there an actor that you did not get the chance to work with, but that you would love to have had some sort of job with, be it voiceover or otherwise, or a musician that you would have loved to collaborate mm. with in oh some way? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I always wanted to collaborate with Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. And acting-wise, Edward James Olmos. Oof. Love to work oh, with nice. that man. He was just in uh, in New York. Oh. He sat down at the table that I was eating <gasps> at. at was he there when we were there? And he was like, hello. And I was like, hi. He opened up my world at Denver Comic Con with concepts and ideas that I hadn't considered before that at first I thought were way too far out. And as I researched them, I went, oh, oh yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. He's amazing. Really interesting guy. Dante, you want to lay on the uh, big question for Jen? Yes. So the question that we ask everyone, Jen, is if you were a bender in the world of Avatar, what kind of bender would you be? You know, I want to be an everything bender. I mean, she's an Avatar. I mean, you are an Avatar, so you can say everything. Yeah, she can. I want to be an Avatar. She's an Avatar. I am right where I want to be. This conversation has proven anything, again. (laughs) Not wanting to separate out the elements, wanting to have them in relationship to one another. It totally makes sense. I tried to call it an everything bender. (laughs) Like an everything bagel. (laughs) Oh, love that so much. This has been 
such a joy. What a beautiful little slip of life and conversation mm-hmm. that I hope our listeners, I feel, are getting that same kind of lift that we're feeling right now in the moment. Totally. Jen, please tell us places we can find you, yeah. anything current that you're particularly excited or proud of yeah. that you would love to direct people towards. Yes. First of all, I want to say it's an extreme joy for me to be here right, with you guys. I mean, <laughs> talking to you guys is so awesome. I am lifted by this. And just a huge shout out and heart out to the fans out there and the co-enjoyers of this incredible universe and, of course, the creators and all that and everybody making this podcast possible. I'm really deeply involved in a venture that I launched end of June which is called Skills Hub. And Skills Hub is a place where you can get on-demand acting coaching for voiceover and on camera. You can get as short as 10 minutes, you can get as long as an hour, and you can do it like spontaneous spur of the moment. So if you're an actor who wants to book more, you can just get a quick coaching. We have our coaches, our AAA performers, casting directors, and voice directors. We got people from DreamWorks, Netflix, Amazon, AAA Game Studios, LucasArts, all kinds of incredible coaches with time on the books. And they're people who know what's going on. We have incredible stuff in the hub, which is for our members, like internal podcasts in there called A Minute With, where I sit down with each of our coaches and I get to ask people stuff like, how many auditions do you really get for a role? How long do you listen to them? What has you keep listening? What has you hang up? You know, if somebody's just starting out, are you available? What would you say they start with? With any good art or commerce, I guess, in the sense of the sort of teaching and that exchange, people will discover ways to benefit from what you've created that you never could have imagined because they're bringing their gifts and their needs and their light to something. I love when someone's like, oh my gosh, you got that out of it? That's amazing. Yes. Like when I started it, it was really because we used to audition in front of people and now we audition in a vacuum. And so many times I'm like, I don't need a one hour coaching. I just need 10 minutes with somebody to tell me, am I on track? Am I off track? Am I any good anymore? What's going on? I can't wait to check it out. I didn't know about it and I can't wait to know about it. It's really cool. See, this is why we need to talk in person because I never get any information (laughs) from social media. (laughs) I I have to talk to the human. Good mental health decision there. (laughs) Something's going on. Yeah. That is awesome. Dante, anything else you want to say to our beloved Jennifer Hale before we say goodbye? I just miss you, Jen. I hope we cross roads again soon in real life. Yes. Just a joy to talk to you and think with you and jam with you. Yeah. I love it. I would love that too. Blessings to you both. I can't wait to see you again. And and thanks to the whole crew behind this that makes this possible. Thanks, you guys. Yes, indeed. All right, everybody. That was one of the most delightful Braving the Elements uh, freeform conversations I think we've had. So we will talk to you all next time. And until then, see you guys next time. Braving those elements. I've never said that before at the end. Follow us on social media. I'm at Janet Varney on Twitter, at the JV Club on Instagram. You are at Dante Bosco basically everywhere, Everywhere, except for on TikTok at Dante. Next week, we'll be recapping episode 16, The Deserter, with the writer who wrote it, Tim Hedrick. See everybody next Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. 